Okay, you guys. Good afternoon. My name is Yvette Simone. I am the children's pastor and family life pastor at Chester Christian Center. I have been there for a quarter of a century. So, praise God. Yeah, I love, love, love children's ministries. And I have a deep passion for making sure that we do our job very, very well. And there's a big reason for that. It's because the kids that we're working with today, in 10 years, at the end of Ohio for Jesus, are going to be board members and pastors and missionaries and leaders in the church. And if we don't do our job well, they're going to be our board members and leaders and pastors in the church. Can I tell you, I don't want to see a pastor or a board member or a leader in the church who doesn't know the story of David and Goliath and what it means to them as a person. So I'm passionate, passionate about us doing our job super, super well. And that's why I want to talk to you guys today about some foundational structure that the AG National Office and Ohio Network Office has provided for us. And I know that I like to do my own thing. So what I want you to understand is it's okay to have some guidelines. It's really okay. In fact, it'll keep us moving in the right direction, and that's what today is all about. Uh, let's get started. So, uh, yeah, let's get started. Move. On. Move. There we go. Well, it's moving there. <laughs> Why isn't it moving here? What's up? I'm used to like saying a response. Sing in response? <laughs> no, saying a response. Like, you know, when the kids start to say what's up and then they have their kids coming back to you. So I was like, oh, yeah, we do that too. So we say, one, two, three, eyes on me. And everybody one, goes, two, eyes on you. See? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That works out really You're so trained, but then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on here. Hang on, let me take it down. No input on HDMI. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. Yeah, it's up there. Don't touch anything, please. <laughs> okay, good. Let's try this again. From the beginning. Ta-da! All right, now can you see it? No, you can't see it? There's one more row in front of you, so you can move forward if you... Or if that's not your problem, you can move to the back of the room. I'm okay with wherever you want to be. Yeah, so I know that this is the first group after our wonderful Chick-fil-A lunch. If you're feeling the need to nap, we have a special napping area for you. It's located outside near the cars. These little yellow lines... You can lay down out there. It might be a little wet, maybe a little cold. If you need to get up and stretch your legs to stay awake, do so. Be your own chairman. I'm not that person who thinks that you should stand in one place all the time and fall asleep in front of me. Because what we're about to talk about is crucial to the kingdom, right? So let's first talk about why. Why do we need to talk about being being strategic when we look at children's ministries. 
These goals that the Assemblies of God have laid out, both on the national and the, and the network level, they, uh, they help us do some key things for our kids. You know, with our kids, especially inside the church, it's not all about uh, just teaching them facts and figures, right? Our goal is for them to become deeply involved with Jesus Christ, deeply involved with the concept of their father and who he is in their life, deeply involved in listening to the Holy Spirit. That's what we're there for. It doesn't matter how many kids we have in the room. It doesn't matter how many salvations there are in the room. It doesn't matter how many kids get baptized in the room. What matters is, has every child in the room developed a saving relationship with Jesus Christ that motivates them to grow in their depth and to do things moving forward that continues that depth of growth? I don't like to do things that are fruitless. I don't take on challenges that are fruitless. Because my time, like your time, is valuable. I don't have much time that's free. It's, it's not like the extra money you have that's disposable income, right? I have no disposable time. So every moment that I spend with the kids is important. So why is it important to have these goals and stuff like that anyway? Here's the thing. Kids are naturally curious. They always want to explore. They always want to experience new things. And so let's take advantage of that in our kids' ministry. They want to research their environment. That's why moms are constantly telling three-year-olds, don't touch that. No, you can't touch that. Stop touching that. Right? So let's take advantage of that. We know that by the time kids are eight or nine years old, their value system, their value system, what they think is important is already being set in their brain. In fact, it's almost concrete in their brain already. That means before youth group, that means before they hear the sanctuary sermon about tithing, their value system has already been set, and it's been set by us. So let's take advantage of the fact that they want to learn about their, their life, the things around them. They want to learn how to communicate. They want to learn how to use new words. They want to be curious about the things that are in the Bible. How many of you guys have ever said to a kid, Oh yeah, it says to be pooped in the Bible. And every kid says, Really, it says he pooped in the Bible? <laughs> have you told him? Yes. Our, our boy David. He pooped. And then he told Saul that he pooped right behind him. You guys. Come on. Have you talked to your kids about the king that was so fat that when the sword was shoved into his belly, it disappeared? I'm telling you, my kids will never forget that story because we talked about how fat would you have to be for an entire sword to show. They're curious. How long is the standard dagger? Let's pull out our toy sword. Look at this. This person, this king. It's like Jabba the Hutt. They know who Jabba the Hutt is, right? It started in the Bible. There is nothing that the world has that they use it as an example of anything that God didn't first give us in the Bible. We as humans, we steal God's concepts and we try to tell everybody it's ours. And now what we do? This concept of the eight goals, 
It belongs to God. He's the one that said, train a child in the way he should go. He's the one that said, bring these little ones to me. He's the one that said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble and fall, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the sea. That's why I say kid ministry is important. It's not my concept, it's God's. And we need to let kids know that there's all kinds of really weird things in the Bible that are very entertaining, way better than Nickelodeon. I don't care how many times they see weird animated things talk on Nickelodeon, it's not going to ever touch a donkey talking to a guy. Saying, why are you hitting me? I mean, really, that's cool. And if we can make the Bible sound cool to kids, they're going to dive in with both feet. But it's going to take a lot of work. And I want you to know about some staggering realities. How many of you guys read any of Barna Group's work? Barna Group has done all kinds of research. So it used to be that children's pastors would have kids about 40 hours a year. That sounds horrible. Less than an hour a week I've got kids, right? Since COVID, one and a half hours a month, people. One and a half hours a month you have got to help that kid learn how to change the world. And that time being critical, now you have less people who are going to help you do it. This is another one of their stats. 56.9% of the churches surveyed, and it was nearly 2,000 churches surveyed. 56.9% say that they have less, less staff help now than they had before COVID. Less. Can I get an amen? I can tell you that's happened in our kids' church program. And, and people have reasons not to come back, and I understand that. But one of the biggest reasons that we are hearing that people don't want to come back is they've just replaced it with something else. And that something else you wish was like ministry to the seniors, food bank ministry, something like that. But no, it's we now have theater tickets and we go every weekend to the theater so we aren't really coming to church services. Or my kid's in t-ball and so his games are on Sundays. Starts at 11. There's no sense in us coming. They aren't replacing it with church stuff, folks. They're replacing it with world stuff. Which puts a lot of pressure on us. If we only see that child one and a half hours a month, every minute of that one and a half hours has got to be effective. And that's what I want us to do. So how do we deliver the information effectively with less people? We've got to get strategic. We have to be able to clearly identify what the goal is and get us there. And we have to track our progress. Here's the biggest problem that I see. How many of you guys have heard from people in your congregation, so what's children's ministry do anyway? Have you heard that? How many of you heard somebody say, when you tell them, Look, I need another $100 in the curriculum budget because I've got to buy some more stuff for kids' church. Well, what did you do with the last $100 that I gave you? You ever hear that from the board? 
You ever hear somebody question, why do we spend all this money on stuff in that big room up there where the kids are just playing? You hear stuff like that? So the way we contradict all of that naysaying and all that negativity, the way that we prove to people that we're effectively ministering to the children that are in the congregation, who P.S. are not second class citizens, they are full of the same Holy Spirit that the adults are full of, right? Do you believe that? They don't get a junior version of God when they accept Jesus as Savior. The way we deal with that is by being able to evaluate our programs and see what's working and get rid of what isn't. So there's no waste. So we're good stewards of the time that we have with the kids and the funds that people in the congregation give us. And we're good stewards of what God's called us to do. So our eight goals. Let's take a look at what those eight goals are. We're going to work with these two pieces of paper right here. These two pieces of paper. The first one is powerful in prayer. Powerful in prayer. So our prayer, uh, our prayer time with the kids, what we're trying to get them to understand is this is their communication with God. And it's not just about telling God, hey God, I want, I, I want the yellow tennis shoes, or I, I want my backpack to be, you know, the see-through one with the glow in the dark tags on it. Or It's not that God is a gift horse for them. It's that this is a communication pattern and process, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. We want them to understand that this consistent conversation with God is the thing that gets them to understand who God is for them in their life, what they're doing, what God wants them to do with their life. Those are the kinds of things that we want them to understand when we talk about powerful in prayer. You know, (coughs) Acts talks about going to the throne boldly. Boldly. And not because we're crying and whining and, you know, there is some of that. We as adults do a lot of that, right? We're like, oh, God, I don't want to do it. That stinks. I want to. Make them do it. Why do I have to do it? We do a lot of that whining, don't we? Come on, be honest. Be honest. We have those moments. We have those moments. Yes. Amen. Amen. Right? Okay. What we want to teach the kids is that it's about the conversation. And how do we talk to them about the conversation? So you guys, give me some of your ideas. How do you talk to the kids about prayer as a conversational experience with God? Tell me what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not good at prayer. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. Oh, so I can tell you what I do? Yes, ma'am.
Yeah. And how would how would they feel if somebody else came up to them and just blah, 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 and turned around and walked away? You know? So getting the kids to engage, this is a great way to do that. They have friends, right? So if one of the things that I've seen done is uh, this exercise of how you talk to your friends. So you tell them, they, they have to pick a subject, get that in their mind, and then they just start talking to the person right in front of them, and both of them have to talk at the same time. And then they have to tell you, what did you hear in that conversation? So that's how we talk to them about listening, right? Okay, same scenario, same friend standing this far away from you. I want you to turn your back and go to that side of the room and have your friend talk. How much of that conversation did you pick up? So there are pieces that you miss when you don't engage with God, right? Right? Okay, and then this scenario where you tell your friend something and then you turn around and walk away and you never listen for their response. Same thing. Okay, they have friends. They know what a friend is, right? So that's a super easy way to talk about how prayer works with God and how to listen to God. Listen for what God's telling you. Spend time in that moment. Any other ideas? I don't want to just tell you everything that we do in our kids' church because, you know, you can replicate what we do in our kids' church and, and I'm honored that you would do so, whatever. But it may not work in your situation because I don't have your kids. Mm-hmm. This is a quarter of a century. I now have my kids' kids. I'm now marrying the parents of the kids I'm going to see in a few years, right? Okay. Yes, ma'am. One thing is have them draw a picture of what God's telling them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually, I had a situation where a kid, like, God gave me a vision. I didn't draw, you know, um, the kid's pastor was like, draw a picture of what God's showing you. And so the kid drew a picture of my vision. And I just laughed because I, it totally caught me off guard because I didn't tell anybody what God showed me. Uh-huh. And then that just really showed me, like, wow, God really speaks to our kids. Yes. Know? And it caught me off guard, but that's that's an easy thing. Or or for kids that aren't verbal, like they don't not verbal. What I mean is kids that that don't write yet, because mm-hmm. you know, can you have them just draw a picture of their prayer mm-hmm. or draw a picture of who they're praying for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those I like to use art projects in prayer time, and sometimes uh, sometimes we can hand out those art supplies beforehand. You know, it's already there at their tables or however your setup is in your kids' church area. And you can have them draw during their prayer time. You can also have them draw, by the way, during your story time. It's a great way to keep them engaged as long as you've got kids that can handle that stimulus, right? Because you have to make sure that there's some ground rules there. You have to be drawing about what you're hearing. You have to be able to explain to me why this is what you drew. How come that guy there in his underwear is what you heard me talking about when I was talking about, you know, the sheep and the shepherd. (laughs) Tell me how those two things go together. You only have to do that once or twice before a kid says, okay, I can't draw whatever I want, right? Yeah. So really, it's easy to get that outside stimulus shut down when you're using art. But um, one of the things, so let me just tell you a few things that we do in our kids' church. First of all, uh, lights control a lot of uh, aberrant behavior. So if you, could, if you have the capacity to be able to dim the lights for your kids, 
Uh, we dim the lights. We play background music, which keeps, keeps them from hearing other kids. And we also tell the kids we don't care where they are in the room. As long as we can see them, they can be under a table, they can be in a chair, they can walk around the room, they can lay down. We even have these things that we call prayer banners. I probably should have brought them. They're long pieces of fabric with dowel rods in the end of them. And we have a leader or even a kid on each end of it, and they slowly move the banner up and down. And the kids are underneath praying. And that whole thing is happening when the music is going and things like that. So this is effective because we want the kids to understand that there's an authority over them. And when that fabric goes up and down like this, it creates just this gentle breeze underneath there. It shuts out the rest of the world and suddenly the kid can feel the Holy Spirit. It helps them really shut down all of this extraneous information that's happening around them and they're just underneath this banner. We've been doing this for years. Our kids never tire of it. We also have worship flags. If any of you guys were in Lena's section uh, before lunch, she talked about having sticks uh, during worship time. We have uh, flags. And during prayer time, the kids can also move the flags to the music. It helps them focus. We've set up places like special seats. We have one plastic seat that has a bunch of lights inside it. We got it at Ikea. It was cheap. And it ha it's made specially to be able to put light inside so the kids can actually sit in that chair to pray and the light helps them focus. Uh, the bed netting canopies that you can hang from the ceiling in a kid's bedroom, we have one of those that hangs from the ceiling of our kids' church area. And in the top of it is a bunch of Christmas lights. They're all white. And the Christmas lights... And at the bottom of it, there's a pillow on the floor so the kids can sit or lay inside there and look up at the lights and it helps them focus. It also works for kids who have uh, autism spectrum disorder. It's a great chill spot for a kid. So um, we, we have balls that the kids can sit on instead of standard chairs. All of this is an effort for them to get to the point where they can focus and center in on God. Okay? So that's powerful in prayer. Okay, responsive in worship. So uh, the whole idea of the responsive in worship goal is for the kids to understand that their life should be lived as a responsive worship to God. <coughs> that means that we want the kids to understand that anything that they do is really an act of worship. So we don't limit worship time to just songs and responses of songs. We don't limit them to that kind of response. We actually allow the kids to uh, experience worship in a lot of different ways, whether it's through games or movement or whatever, and we remind them that everything that they're doing in their life is a constant expression of their relationship with God and what God's done for them. So try not to limit your worship to just playing songs. It's really not all about that. Their worship can also be drawing a picture. Their worship can also be serving somebody. Their entire life is worship. 
then Spirit-empowered. So, how many of you guys are having trouble getting your kids baptized in the Holy Ghost? Yep. But you want it, don't you? Me too. Anybody doing anything that's effectively working in that area? Okay, I'm going to plug in, put a plug in for this program that the uh, national office does called Hydrate. So at the Hydrate Essentials, which is the first level of the Hydrate program, it's the first level, they have an entire section on kids being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's got a lot of great information. It is one of the hardest things that we are experiencing right now in our kids' ministry. We know that we're exemplifying the gifts of the Spirit around them, but we so far have not been successful in kids' church getting a child to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I think part of it is time restraint. You know, we have, you know, 17 seconds with the kids or something to do this thing. You'd have to move on to something else. I wish that I could report to you, hey, we're successful and this is how we do it. And if you do it, it'll happen every time. But we don't know how to get that done. So here's my ask of you. If you figure out a way that you could consistently engage your kids in seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is working for you, please share it. Please share it with the network office so that they can send it out to all of us. All of us in this room, because right now what I'm hearing is nobody right now is being successful in seeing baptism of the Holy Spirit with their kids. We are doing drawings. We are speaking in tongues in front of them. If you have a prayer language, please use that in front of your kids. They need to hear that it's normal. If you have a gift of a word of knowledge or some other spiritual gift that you uh, are, are asked to express, in a kids' church setting, please don't quench the Holy Spirit. So the, one of the ways we know that we're softening our kids towards the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we're expressing the Holy Spirit in front of them. So please, if you can express the Holy Spirit in front of your kids, do it. And then pray, 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 pray. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, I've seen it happen in a kids' ministry. I was under children's pastor, and I've been longing for that to happen now that I am a children's pastor. And it was neat because um, we went, we had our own camp, and um, there was this one night where the Holy Spirit poured out on the kids in a very, very powerful way. And it was so powerful that um, they started getting the gifts of spirit without us even teaching the gifts of spirit. 
And so then the kids, well, this one kid's like, I understand that the tongues, what, what, what it means. And oh, so, yeah. And, and just like these different gifts would happen. And um, then after that happened, we, we grew on it, and we did it once a month, and once a night, we did a prayer and worship night where they would pray and worship the whole service. But some kids weren't quite there, so at the, when they were done, they could go to the back and do quiet stuff. But there were kids at the altar crying out in tongues, and, and I'll tell you, the intercession that came from these kids was the purest intercession that you would ever here in your entire life, and it was just, it rocked that kids' church amazingly. It was just, it was an amazing move of God, and, yeah. and I, I just, and so um, my plan is we're going to have a camp coming up, uh -huh. and um, so I'm going to use some of the hydrate stuff at some point to prepare the kids for the camp. So I'm hoping to gear towards that. I, I've seen it happen. It's been very, like, I mean, it was just um, it just it changed the kids church it, it was just different like the kids just it was really powerful it moves them to a depth that they that we haven't seen in a lot of kids church services and that's what i want you know that's the goal to see that constant growing depth that's what we want to do and so the focus on this uh one of the eight goals the spirit empowerment is that this is what emboldens kids to grow in the lord and that's what we want to see so the next one is easy. Yes, ma'am. Sorry. I was wondering, why do we separate the kids from the adult worship service? Well, that's a philosophy based on what your lead pastor believes. I can tell you that for us, a lot of times it's a space issue. If I had all of the kids in the sanctuary, there wouldn't be enough seats for the adults in the sanctuary. And... Uh, right now, one of the things that we have is it's just the philosophy of our lead pastor. He would rather the kids be in their own space, doing their own thing at their own level of understanding, as opposed to being in the adult sanctuary. So I really think it's sort of an individual church thing. It's not a requirement at all. I've been wondering that because I learned about the Holy Spirit from being in the adult service. Yep. Yep, and I think that there's an important thing to be said for the kids being there, seeing active adults expressing the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But you've got to work with and under your lead pastor to get them to allow you to do that. Or maybe they can do it once a quarter or something like that, you know. Or get some really strong adults that you know love to express in worship and ask them to come up and be part of your worship service in Kids Church. That's an alternative too. Okay, uh, the next one, biblically fluent. Number eight is biblically fluent. That's kind of self-explanatory, but you know what the saddest thing is? Most of our kids cannot tell you what the first five books of the Old Testament are. Most of our kids can't tell you what, uh, what the Gospels are or who wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone else. They can't tell you that. They can't quote verses. They don't know what the Ten Commandments are. Most of them cannot do that. And so the goal of biblical fluency is providing them with a scriptural foundation that shows them that God's word is powerful and active in their lives. And when we neglect that biblical fluency piece, when we stop to telling them that, you know, here's the way the Bible's set up, this is how it was developed, this is, this, you know, 40 different authors and not any inconsistencies, that's a miracle. When we don't push biblical fluency with our kids, then they cannot carry that learning onto the next level. They need to fall in love with the Bible. They need to fall in love with learning about the Bible. And like I said before, one of the ways I do that is I talk about poop and talking donkeys and, you know, all those weird things that are in the Bible. 
do kind of avoid the Song of Solomon a bit. Age-related a little bit. But I don't deny it's there, and they have to memorize it. So we do some uh, uh, games where we have like all of the books of the Bible on clothespins in a bag, and they have to open up the bag, put them all in order, and put them around the edge of a bucket. First team to do that, yay candy! <laughs> right? I don't, you know, I don't give out a lot of candy, but when it's things like biblical fluency, <laughs> I tend to feed the monster. Yeah. So simple things like that, and we just have it sitting out, and the kids know that they're going to have to practice that because pretty soon they're going to have a contest about that, and so they practice it almost spontaneously when it's sitting on the tables. We also have three platypuses, Rackshack and Benny, that are actually dog toys, and they are the team mascots. They came from Costco for $11, just saying. And every table has a mascot, and every table has their own bucket of, of clothespins with the books of the Bible written on it in permanent marker. And so you're teaching biblical fluency. And we tell them, okay, we only want to have the prophets. They're searching through all the clothespins and they pull up the prophets. We only want the books of Paul. We want all the New Testament in order. The whole Bible in order. Who can get it? Okay? Gamify it. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next four, actively serving. Serving for kids is really easy because they love to do it, right? Get your lead pastors to let you guys do something that the adults get to see. Like, they are the ones that hand out the bulletins in the morning if your church still has bulletins. They are the ones that open the door for the senior saints on Sunday morning. <coughs> they collect notebooks to give to the local school. And take a picture and put it on the digital announcements in the morning in the sanctuary so that all of the grown-ups see it. Right? Find something for your kids to do to serve because they need to understand that serve is what Jesus did. Right? That's what he was all about. And we want them to be bold in their faith, have the courage to do something in the name of Jesus. That's the next goal. Be bold in their faith and understand that giving selflessly... See how these build on each other? Bless you. Giving selflessly means that they're living like Christ because he gave the ultimate sacrifice, right? So all of these golds build one on top of the other, especially these last four. It's really easy to make them seamless in their application in your kids' church area. If you talk to them about serving, you tell them that they've got to be bold and talk to that senior saint that they're opening the door for or tell those people that are coming up at the drug mart in your little teeny town and they're donating cans of groceries, tell them why you're doing it. We're doing it for the food bank that our church runs. That's not a big, hard task if you're right there beside them to encourage them because ultimately what we want them to do is live like Christ. And remember, he said, let the little children come unto me. And he said, unless you're like one of these little children, ixnay to the entry, eh? Right? Okay. Now, this is the part y'all came for. How do you make it happen? So what I want to do is, now you're going to be looking at these eight goals and the mastery task list. Okay, so 
Let's first take a look at the eight goals assessment. And on the front it says sample. Behind it you're going to find two pieces of paper. We don't have time to do this today. I wish that we did. If we had two sessions, maybe we could. But what I want you to think about is what is the hardest thing for you to do in those eight goals? What I heard people say was prayer. What I feel is Holy Spirit, that's the hardest one for us, right? And so I'm going to do an assessment. I'm going to put up here goal in focus. And I'm going to put Holy Spirit empowerment. And then I'm going to go down to the next one. How do you see this goal being demonstrated in your ministry environment? I'm going to be brutally honest with myself. It's not demonstrated at all. It is demonstrated. Whatever it is, we see it because our leaders speak in tongues in front of our children. We see it because... You know, we expose our children to baptism of the Holy Spirit all the time by doing this and this and this, right? <coughs> and then, in what ways do the kids receive encouragement to participate in the goal? So, am I praying over a child in my prayer language so they hear me speaking in tongues? Am I demonstrating to them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that they're going to hear this language? And that when they hear this language, the Holy Spirit that resides within me is going straight to God's throne on their behalf, saying things I don't even know. And they're that special. They're that special that the Holy Spirit would come and give me language that I don't even fully understand on behalf of that child and talk to God about me. Do they know they're that special to you? Do they know they're that special to God? So that's what I want to do. Am I doing that? I'm going to be brutally honest with myself and then I'm going to give myself a score. You can see on that sample page, right, on the front. It says, it's talking about giving selflessly. Big surprise. BGMC is a big push for us, of course. The leaders set the example of giving selflessly. They talk about BGFC. They sacrifice and invest in the kids, all that kind of stuff, right? And there's this one to four rating over here and then an average. And then on the back, it's a what am I going to do about it page. Giving selflessly. I'm going to model leaders who could share their personal testimonies of how God told, challenged them to give. Thankfulness. I'm going to Spend, uh, send postcards to the kids that, at, that are midway to reaching their goals, that kind of stuff, right? And then my action plan at the bottom. So with this evaluation sheet, this is my challenge to you. You have two blank pieces of paper. Make at least 16 copies. And I want you and any other person that works with you in your children's church to sit down over lunch, over dinner, over a week, and go through all eight of the goals and see where you are. And then I want you to start with the one you're the best at. And I want you to feel the success of working on that action plan. And then I just want you to go through all eight of them and work on those, right? This is going to be for you and your leadership, your staff, top to bottom. Everybody needs to know that. You've got to communicate those goals and how you're going to work on them. 
Uh, and that's because without vision, the people perish. Okay. And once you identify what your goals are going to be, I want you to communicate that to the whole world. All of your parents, all of your board members, all of your kids, all of your staff, especially to your pastors. I'm going to show you, you should have a copy of this as well. This is our current active document in Stan Children's Ministries. Just being transparent, here it is. The reason I want you to see this is because this Excel sheet that says Mastery Task List 2022, if you look across the top, you will see each one of the six goals. All eight of our ministry goals are in there in some way. They're just combined into a total of six goals. Okay? And underneath that blue line right there, you see, and the reason it's like this is because, so there will be a kid's name in this left-hand column. So I put down this child's name here. Let's say Isaac. Isaac's a good Bible name, right? Isaac. And so Isaac, I tell Isaac that if he wants to complete that goal, and I want him to complete that goal, then he has to do at least three of the five things that are listed there. Under, no. He has to do all the memory verses, and there are six of them listed right there. He has to tell me all the Old Testament books in order. He has to tell me all the New Testament books in order. He has to tell me the theme of an Old Testament and a New Testament book. Just the theme. For example, Genesis, the creation of the world and the story of the patriarchs, right? That's pretty easy. And then the last one, the fifth one, is a personal verse. Reference and memorize. So if he does three of those things under the no category, do you know what he gets? He gets this really cool key that says no. Isn't that cool? Ms. Tree, can you help me hand out a key to every... If you want to see one of these keys, Ms. Tree is going to give you a key. Okay, so here's the coolest thing. I want you guys to go to your local community colleges or places of resource. These I made at the community college where I work. We have this place, this maker space called The Hive. If you live in Lake County of Ohio, you can also go there. And in the hive, you can use laser cutters. You can use 3D printers. You can use lathes to make wooden handles. You All this stuff, you totally use it for free. All you pay for is the wood or the plastic or the filament that goes in the 3D printer. And they have a team there that will help you design it and do it. So all of these keys for all of my kids, 11 bucks. And they're designed exactly the way I want them to look. This one says give. So the laser, cut them all out. You can see those dark edges. Don't look at the laser. You're not allowed to look at the laser as it cuts them out. That's what they told me. (laughs) So here's the thing with our program. And this is what's on the spreadsheet. And I am more than happy to send you the spreadsheet. 
Really, don't remake the wheel. If this, something like this is helpful to you, that's why I said you will leave with a tool that will help you track. <coughs> the thing with this spreadsheet is our kids have six goals that they're working on. If they get all six keys, they get invited to the Golden Key Banquet. Wouldn't you want to be invited to the Golden Key Banquet? They and their parents get to come to the Golden Key Banquet, a catered dinner that we will throw for the families of the kids who earn all six keys. We are probably going to have to do it twice this year. The kids have a full year to work on these goals. Uh, next year, there would be a new set of goals. Um, but they have a full year to do it. But I have a feeling that we'll have enough kids in June and enough kids in December to do this banquet two times. So, I, I mean, really, if you're a kid and you get to win a trophy and it's that easy for you, <laughs> oh, look, you've already got your first key. You're well on your way to the Golden Key Banquet. I can't believe it. You and your mom, you and your grandma, you and your aunt and uncle, you and your foster parents get to go to the Golden Key Banquet. That's so awesome. Only a few kids are going to get to go. You have to earn all six keys. Right? So what am I doing with that, though? If I have a parent who comes up and says, why, why, did, why did Lydia not get to go to the Golden Key Banquet? I'm like, well, remember, we sent these lists out to you because they go to the parents, too. So far this year, Lydia hasn't earned the no key. She did tell us that there was a tell us that there was a personal verse she really liked, but she couldn't tell us where it was. So we tried to help her with that, but she didn't want to do it. She could only get through the first six or seven books of the New Testament, and you know, as an eleven-year-old, she ought to be able to memorize at least the books of the New Testament, don't you think? Did you guys spend time with that at home? Because she told me she couldn't get you guys to help her. What? What? But good news. We're going to have another banquet in December and she probably will make it, don't you think? Can you guys set aside time to help her? Because her brother Isaac's already done that. Yeah. Plus, this is the other thing. I can show my staff. I can show my pastors. I can show my board. All of these kids attain these goals. When I do my annual report for the January business meeting that you all have to do, you know that report you have to write and put in the annual... You guys have to do that? Am I the only one? No, I didn't think so. So this already went out the last one. So the entire church knows what we're trying to do. And I have key players in the congregation that say to the kids, hey, how many keys to earn? They aren't in kids' church. They don't have kids in kids' church. But they know to ask the kids, how many kids did you earn? Or keys did you earn? Get some outside people to help sell your program to the kids and hold them accountable. Why? Because we should all be held accountable to what God is asking us to do, right? We know that as grown-ups. You should have an accountability partner. Teach the kids now. Somebody's going to ask you. Somebody's going to ask you to give 
a response for your love of Jesus Christ. Somebody's going to ask you. And you should be able to tell them why you believe. This is where it starts. Get some people outside kids' church to hold your kids accountable. I find the grandmas and grandpas work best. So, our senior saints who always get left out of the mix, bless their hearts, they want to do things that do not require them to get up and down off the floor. How cool is it when Isaac is opening the door for Miss Linda, she says, Isaac, how many keys have you earned? And he says, Miss Linda, I've got three keys already. Because I'm inviting those senior saints to the Golden Key Banquet. And I'm going to let them applaud Isaac when he goes up there with all six keys and he gets the final key, the golden key, to complete his set. So here's the, here's the deal. If you want people to know what's happening in your kids' church and you want them to support you financially, emotionally, spiritually, you've got to let them know what you're doing. And they're all corporate business people. That's what you need to think about. They're all corporate business people with a godly heart. They want to know that their money is being invested well in you and in those kids. So bring them on board. Say, hey, here's our eight goals. Hey, here's what we're working on this year. Hey, this is our statement, our mission statement. You can't... There's no HIPAA regulation in regard to whether or not these kids... Or earning, but I never say, you know, oh look, Lydia sucks at this, but Isaac's great at it. You know, I don't, I, I took all the names off of here and took all the check marks off of here. I have a young adult leader who's 20 years old. He's grown up in our kids' church. He became a teen leader, is now an adult leader. Everybody knows that if they want to get a check mark on one of these things, they have to go to Mr. Sam. And they have to say all the books of the Bible to Mr. Sam. And they have to tell Mr. Sam that they went and interviewed a missionary and who it was. They have to tell Mr. Sam, I was leading in worship. I taught the Noah's Ark kids a new song in the worship team. All of those tasks are in there. And Mr. Sam says, okay, yep, you need two more tasks in the experience one and you'll get your key. Right? Listen, don't be afraid of evaluation and don't be afraid of telling everybody at your church that you're doing big things. Because when they see those big things happen in a tangible way, they are absolutely going to get behind you. How many people do you know can look you in the eye and say, I don't care about your stupid kids? You're in a church. You're not in a bar. (laughs) You know? So if you're telling some adult, this is what we're doing with the kids, and this is what they've got done already, and you're so passionate and so excited, you know what happens next? How much is that going to cost you here? You need help in what room? I'm there. Because if they see your passion and they see a measurable outcome, they're going to be behind you 100%, and they're going to be on their knees in front of the throne of God praying for your success. Because they know the same thing that we know. In 10 years, these kids are going to be leading that church. They're going to be teaching those classes. They're going to be ministering the gospel. They're going to be on the job site talking about their relationship with Jesus to others. And they know how important that is. 
Is there anybody here who doesn't care about kids in this room? Please stand up. We'd like to know you. (laughs) We're going to gather around you and lay some hands on you. Pray over your wretchedness. Cast out that demon. You guys love kids. You know how important they are. You need to sell your mission to everyone you can talk to. And one of the ways that you can prove the worth of what you're doing is by measuring and evaluating your outcomes. Have it written down. Don't just fly at the wind. Oh, I think this week we'll do David and Goliath. No, we did that two weeks ago. Maybe this week is Jonah. Oh, no, that's next week because we're having that guy. No. Strategize. Decide what you want to do. Pray about it. I start praying about our goals for 2023. I start praying about it in October of this year. I actually already know what next year's theme is going to be. I knew it two years ago. Because as a church staff, we talked about where we're headed. What's our three-year cycle? Are you being strategic? Can you track your project? Have you communicated your mission to people that need to support you and help you? And do your parents know how much you love their kids? Do your grandmas know how much you love their grandkids? Do those foster parents know how much you care about that child that they are taking care of? Because I can tell you, if they don't like those foster kids, they're not going to be in their house. Right? They already have a heart for this kid. They said to the government, I will take this child on. And they want to know that you love that child as much as they do. Uh Right? Communicate, communicate, communicate. So you guys have seen the spreadsheet we use. You've seen the goal sheet that we use. We give it to every parent. We communicate it in every way. We send it out to anybody who asks. Total transparency. Because we need them to help us. If they aren't in the room, they're praying for us. If they aren't in the room, they're paying for us. (laughs) Right? Don't fool yourself. You know it's true. We We set all of these goals up in trackable ways. Oh, look. Eliza, Travis. Oh. They're not filled in. You don't know how far they've... And we modify... By the way, just as... We do accommodate for age and, and any kind of special needs and abilities. If I've got a child with cognitive delays, he's not going to be memorizing these long verses word for word. Right? Thank you. <laughs> Do you guys have any questions?